Jimmy Deans. Not a fact. Presents the Yearbook Internet Sportscast. The sports podcast that's getting beaten out by podcasts that aren't about sports and that went out of business years ago and aren't about sports. Says in the yearbook at Hotmail.com if you want to contact us. So, NHL referee Tim Peel was kicked out of the league recently, which you may have heard about even if you don't care about hockey. The reason was an in-game microphone caught Peel saying in so many words that he had just called a questionable penalty on the Nashville Predators as a make-good call. Supposedly, Peel was retiring after this season, so being released by the NHL is just like a movie. Being released by the NHL just a month from retirement seems like a harsh and also correct punishment. But the almost unanimous and completely accurate reaction from hockey fans and hockey media has been Tim Peel only said out loud what everybody already knew. Everyone knows that if, for example, the Calgary Flames have four straight power plays, if they have four straight power plays, any Calgary player then coming into contact or even close contact with the opponent for any reason is going to get penalized as a makeup call. It's like, um, yes, the old, uh, the old Atari basketball game where you could be absolutely stomping the computer's player, but before the game could get truly out of hand, the computer player would just suddenly go absolutely nuts and absolutely would not be denied a basket. There was nothing you could do. There was no possible way you could keep the computer from scoring under any circumstances. Similar in uh, this case in the NHL. No NHL team is going to have nine power plays in a row while their opponent has none. Similar NHL problems include strictly enforcing the rule book in the regular season and then throwing it out the window in the playoffs and also not calling anything in the last five minutes of a game. Swallowing the whistle, as that's called, in the last five minutes, to me is the least of these issues. I don't have a problem with the players deciding the game in the final minutes, although referees should still call the obvious penalties, not just the penalties that are so blatant they do major damage and can be seen from space. But the NHL has to do something about enforcing the rules evenly and eliminating make-good calls, besides just getting rid of the one guy who said the unwritten code out loud. Unfortunately, and this is based only on the past, it seems likely that this won't go any further than just getting rid of the one guy. This incident also elicited much reaction from hockey fans and hockey media about how no other league plays so fast and loose with its own rules like the NHL. But that's a huge stretch. Maybe hockey is the worst. But look at baseball's problems getting umpires to enforce a strike zone. And just like in hockey, some basketball officials call overly tight games. Others let the players do anything and make good calls are a fact of life in football. We just got to make good call in a roughly officiated Super Bowl basketball where coaches ride the officials mercilessly, then later in the game start getting the calls they wanted. And baseball, where supposedly it's not a good idea to show up the umpires. I'm your host, Doug. I don't know if we mentioned that. I don't know what category I would fall into. We didn't read it, 
because we weren't in the mood for some reason. But there was there was well, what we read was good, but we just weren't in the mood. It was an article about uh, podcast speak, how podcasters talk. There's like a way podcasters talk, but we could be getting this completely wrong. But I think there's two ways podcasters talk. There's the podcaster tone, uh, and then there's the other tone that's more radio derived. You know, you sound more like a like a somebody on the radio. But then there's a whole other thing. There's, so that's one category. And then the whole other side would be somebody who talks in podcaster voice. But we weren't in the mood and we didn't get the gist of what pa- podcaster voice is. And yeah, I, I don't know what category this podcast would fall into. How am I talking? College basketball. So Oregon State was a great story. Oregon State. But we don't consider them a classic Cinderella with classic upsets. Even though the Beavers were an NCAA Tournament 12 seed, that's really low. But if you're offended, before you get offended, let me explain. Oregon State has been bad at basketball for three decades. More on that in a few minutes. Even though I don't think this whole thing is a few minutes. And Oregon State was in the Final Eight, but... The Beavers come from a major conference. They play in a league with big payouts and its own TV network. So OSU has been crummy by big league standards, but they're still a big budget, well-covered operation. So the Beavers pulled off three straight big, big upsets and damn near made the Final Four. That is amazing, but only because of the big league affiliation. OSU's run doesn't have the shock value of Gonzaga's very first trip to the Final Eight, or uh, George Mason's run to the Final Four, or Penn's, Penn, Penn's run to the Final Four, or UMBC's complete discombobulating of Virginia. Sports in general are cyclical. We change topics, but it's still college basketball. But there are, even though sports is cyclical, there are heaps and heaps of teams that just never come back, or at least not all the way back. In basketball, for example, former national champions in college basketball include San Francisco, Holy Cross, Wyoming, and City College of New York, CCNY. City College of New York actually made two Final Fours, and Bradley in Peoria made two national championship games. It really is fascinating. I hate how people say it's going to be fascinating to see. That's been code for like the last year. It'll be fascinating to see. I'm fascinated to see. No one who says that is actually fascinated by what they're talking about. But I really am fascinated to to see how this happens, that a school can be so historically synonymous with a sport, but then one day they just kind of downgrade out of the big time and are never seen again. Clemson was once one of the biggest names in all of college football. But then the Tigers somehow kind of just faded back to pretty good status, and it looked like Clemson was stuck in a permanent subclass with no shot at any more championships ever. But then the Tigers recently improbably got out of pretty good jail. Somehow, was it the money? Was it the coach? And right now, Clemson is back again as one of the very few marquee football teams. Now look at the Final Four in basketball. Baylor was a basketball powerhouse for five years. They last made the Final Four 71 years ago. And since the end of their five-year glory years in 1950, the major conference Bears didn't even make the tournament 
for the next 38 years. And then Baylor went another 20 years without a tournament appearance from 88 to 2008. And now Baylor's back in their coach's 18th year on the job. Unlike Baylor, Houston was a huge name in college basketball for a very long time. The Cougars were in the Sweet 16 in the mid-1950s. They were in the Final Four twice by the late 60s, and they'd made the national championship game twice by the early 80s. Houston was just one of those basketball-is-everything schools like UCLA and North Carolina and Kentucky until suddenly they just disappeared. And I mean suddenly. The Cougars went the next, after those two national championship game appearances in the 80s, the Cougars went the next 34 seasons without winning a single NCAA tournament game, not even one. And by then, by the time they finally won one, 2018, Houston looked like a program that was, for whatever reason, on that old-timey heap of teams no longer capable of playing for titles no matter what they tried. Sure, the Cougars could reach the Sweet 16, get on a run and get to the Sweet 16 or something, but there was just no possible way for them to get all the way back. Until they did, just now. And to get to the Final Four, Houston barely beat Oregon State. And believe it or not, basketball was once Oregon State's game. The Beavers had been to a couple of Final Fours and a bunch of Sweet 16s and Elite 8s. For all of Oregon State's suffering in football, look it up, They big time made up for it in basketball until 1991 when it all ended. Until now. So what's going on? I actually would really like to know because college sports sometimes seem wild and random, but they're advertised as wild and random sometimes. But there is a definite pecking order, and there's only a handful of schools that year in and year out actually have a real shot at a championship. I know a lot of people don't. But I like the March Madness studio show when it features Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, and Ernie Johnson. They just don't follow standard operating normal studio procedure, and that's generally entertaining. They're honest with their criticism. Barkley and Smith, they actually had, during the tournament, a real sensitive health situation, and Barkley and Smith actually honestly and openly debated someone else's sensitive health situation live on the air. They're also open and honest about not following college basketball. It's just completely different. It's time for last week in Division I AA football. Dixie State and Tarleton State combined to win their respective games 98 to nothing. Yes, they're both Division I. And that's the point. Welcome to schools with misleading names to Division I. Both schools are currently in the process. There is a process of making the transition from the lower divisions to full Division I status. So in basketball, those two will someday be eligible for the NCAA tournament. And in football, both are at the 1AA level. And yes, that's Division I. As for the misleading names, wherever you thought Dixie State was, it's in Utah. And wherever you thought Tarleton State was, it's in Texas. And yes, to answer your question, spring football is getting stomped right out of the headlines by everything else.